0: Welcome, gamers. Uh, I do apologize. As you can see, I am not Joe. So uh, I'm jumping in for a minute. I'll be introducing our guests today. And then Joe will be joining us shortly. Here's the tricky part. I don't know how to play the intro video, so we will not be starting off there. But I do know how to run some of the things in here. So with that being said, I'm going to bring in today's guest, which is Kevin Warner. So with that... Let's add in Kevin. How are you doing today, Kevin?
1: I am doing well. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good.
0: All right. So Thank you, we Brian, for saving the day. Is good. <laughs> right, <laughs> right on time. So, a little bit different than we're doing. Hey, there's Joe. Good, Joe, because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to play the video.
2: <laughs> yes. So that's great. Then I'll pull us all out, and then we'll put ourselves back in. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep, good? we can Heart hear just fine. Thank you. Thank you. Give me one second. Go sure. over Brand. Okay. Brian, for you, Brand. Yes. And then go down video clips, first one. But you're right uh, back. Rant. Oh, okay, now I see you. it down at the bottom. Okay. I'll get you. Hang on.
3: Welcome to War Games, hosted by the sales genius, Joe Ingram. If you're looking to win the sales battle, then you have joined the right team. In the War Games Group, we devise strategies for sales, marketing, branding, mindset, and attitude. We enlist the assistance from the most successful producers across all industries. We then share their knowledge and techniques with you. Our single goal is to get you ready for your next sales opportunity. When it comes to crossing the minefield of sales, step in the footprints of those that have crossed before you. Now, prepare yourself for boot camp and beyond. It's time for the war games to begin. Be war gamers,
2: welcome to another episode of War Games. I'm going to bring Brian up here with me. Why? Because Brian was kind enough to kick us off today while I was telling him, I'm trapped with a client and I need someone to help me get on there so I can always count on Brian. Today, uh, the newest sales expert that I am bringing forward for you guys is Kevin Warner. He is the CEO of Leadium, an award-winning business-to-business lead generation agency. And so I'm going to tell you right now, Kevin, this is you know talking true to heart for both Brian and I on making sure we have more clients than we know what to do with, right? And I asked Kevin to come in, talk to us. Again, you know, our, our whole breakdown is we can do what we wanna do while we're in here because the goal is what? To help you sell one more product or service today after you leave this episode. But Kevin's also an expert on sales agencies, right? And how do you get to the point of getting a sales agency that could get ROI for you? So you return on your investment. And then he also tells us never ever hire a full time, right, sales development rep. I think we're gonna go get them, you know, the hungrier ones. But he has created over a billion dollars in revenue pipeline across twelve hundred organizations. So what does that mean? It means we should probably all listen to Kevin. And Kevin is here. <laughs> hey, Kevin, thanks for joining us. Normally I have a much better camera, microphone, and everything wow. else. But I do want to say thanks for showing up. Debbie's out there with us, Wargamers, and Jason Liu from the Ledium team. So I'm thinking you know Jason.
1: I do. I do know Jason. the
2: newest team. Good support, Jason. We like that. So fantastic. Kevin, so what we like to do in in the group is I like to hand it over to you that you can share from your perspective, right, what you want to teach this group of entrepreneurs that Many of them are going to be business to business, business to customer, or they're going to be, you know, the mix of both that comes in there. And then, of course, you always want to be able to meet Debbie (laughs) Bettendorf, right? So she said, nice to see you, right? She's got a show as well, so we'll make introductions that comes up. This guy has the same last name as me. Don't really claim him at all, okay? (laughs) but thanks so much. So Kevin, talk to us a little bit. You've played yeah. this game a lot. Right? Played and this game a <laughs> lot. Played this
1: game for 9 years and uh, my co-founder and I often say it's it's kind of like groundhog's day because you're waking up to the same same world every day when it's top of funnel uh, hunting for appointments, email, phone, linkedin, rinse and repeat. Not uh, while a lot has changed, not a lot has changed at the same time. So, um, technology's definitely made it easier data Access has made it easier, but a lot of the fundamentals still still remain the same.
2: I agree. I Brian and I talk about that, too. I'm like, people just find you different now, but the whole process <laughs> right, is still following the same things that you go through. Right. I'm one of those lazy people that I only want to put the it's four steps to a sale. Yep. right? And everybody goes, really? I'm like, you can do 10. You can do whatever you want to do. Just don't do 12 because that's a recovery program. So you're going to need help after that.
1: So. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And um, I mean, we alluded to it already, which is one of our one of our new talking tracks. We've done it over eight years. So we've had we founded overseas, my co-founders in Ukraine. So in 2014, outsourcing sales was kind of new to the to the world, uh, especially with overseas talent obviously in in 2020 everyone kind of opened up access to overseas talent lower cost points still great quality depending on what regions you're tapping into in 2014 it was unheralded almost in the sales space Um, but since then we've really been able to take outbound appointment setting and build an agency approach to it something marketing agencies have done for you know decades upon decades that have been in existence but not really taking the sdr focus and building out that Um, But yeah, the SDR role within a company, the trouble that that is, a lot of times a company doesn't understand how to evaluate ROI on it, whereas an agency, every function you do has to return revenue and you're measured on KPIs uh, very differently than if you have an internal employee, which is why we say if you're going to hire an internal rep, you have to understand very closely, are they driving you value or not once you add in all of the weighted cost, uh, your training time, your management time, vacation time, their ramp period,
2: etc., The workers comp that the state charges you, the fact that they like to go and get a cough and come off, call off sick for a while. And then you got to pay them overtime to make up for what they missed uh, it's tough. doing before. Yeah, I feel you on that one.
1: It's tough. And in an outbound appointment setting, especially when you think about what an agency can do for you, one is easily measured. We're we're hitting KPIs you have to deliver upon, uh, but we're also thinking a very programmatic approach, which is what outbound today, where it's become most rewarding is if you approach it very programmatically and that's who is the target audience you're going after how does the value proposition change how are you adjusting messaging based on channel or personality type Um, it's crazy that a lot of companies still focus on activity it's almost like the impressions game just get more phone calls or more emails or more linkedin messages um, and that was that was probably a similar strategy in the digital ad space 15 20 years ago until you started mm-hmm. to realize hey 18 to 22 year olds purchase from Nike very differently than 65 to 75 year olds both customers both have their own you know margins and and you know value uh, but they also not only convert differently based on the messaging the graphics, the copy, but also the channels. It might be TikTok centric today versus Facebook, and sadly an outbound on the on the appointment setting side and sales what's been the slowest to be adopted is hey you can't just send one email to five different personas. You should really be changing that approach. Some people don't like email, others prefer phone calls, some people like LinkedIn and are very active there. How are you adjusting for that? How are you using personality traits to customize your message? Like, Joe, you and I, I'll just assume, are very different people. We probably absorb media very differently. So it's crazy that you're still sending the same email to both you and I and not adjusting the language. And fortunately, technologies come around, but a lot of companies are slower to adopt it with their internal team and they're still focused on impressions or activity. Right. I
2: don't, I, and again, I love this because I don't want, Busier, right? Yeah. right? I'm looking for, like you said, the ROI. Well, if there's a return on investment, it comes from a return. Not for me to go invest more time answering 40, you know, DMs that come in on LinkedIn because somebody was able to get 40 people to reach out to me. Right. right. Now, now, my favorite, and I saw Brian's face as soon as you started saying it, right? My thing is personalities. Right. I love the fact that when you sit down there, I think you and I share that with uh, Colin and the personality thing to go through, which is again, are you writing it in the voice that the person can actually hear it and go through? And I will tell you, it's really easy if you can find out, you know, how old people look. The boomers still answer their phone, no one else is. All right. (laughs) So. When you when you say some people like on the phone, I'm like, yeah, it's only the boomers. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well it's why
1: you see some industries like the the strategy shouldn't be modeled out exactly the same. And I think what's wrong a lot of times in sales is the perception that if they're doing that, we should have the same results, which is it's not true. Anytime you change a variable, everything changes along with the conversion rates. Um, just because you own, you know, an athletic sneaker company doesn't mean you're going to get the same results Nike does. They have a brand behind them, they have a massive marketing agency. They know their model. But in the sales space, it still has this impression that it's just a matter of activity and we're going to drive the results, where really, to your point, no, some industries' phone calls are very heavy because they're targeting a persona that it just it's a better connection. Some are still email-centric. If you target HR personas in healthcare in the morning, better than targeting HR personas in the afternoon because they've been dealing with people or hiring or recruiting all day and they're just tired. So also time of when you're prospecting kind of changes. And that's that programmatic approach to outbound that's still slow to be adopted because sales orgs or teams are still focusing on the human behind the activity instead of the strategy and the programmatic approach where I always say the human component of outbound appointment setting and revenue driving is the least important today. It's the easiest thing to
2: execute. Wow, okay, I like that. So what's what's the secret sauce without giving away Ledium's, you know, (laughs) whole thing? So again, I'm assuming as I'll go out and I'll say I could call Kevin and say, help me get this, and your whole company can come around and go, We're gonna do this, 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 and this, and generate leads that are quality leads, as opposed to other
1: people that just Yeah, we're a little bit different. And I think our age in this space has mirrored it out to be different. One is there is no secret sauce, like I, I analyze a lot of things to ad ad campaigns because most of us are familiar with AdWords or Facebook ads. It's just become a normal part of our life. Mm-hmm. And so I mirror it. There is no secret sauce to an Instagram ad. A lot of it has to do with your product market fit, the time, how dialed in do you know your go-to-market messaging? Are you optimizing it based on the analytics? If you don't know a lot about your marketing, are you analyzing it in real time and making those adjustments if you're still in early phase? That is the secret sauce. It is a well-founded, like thoroughly executed outbound program where you're looking very analytically at the results and trying to optimize quickly. Unfortunately, in the sales world you want results yesterday you started a brand new company you think that you should have people knocking on your door and you don't want to pay for the the compounding effort that a lot of times outbound leads to outbound is a compounding result but if you don't pay for a good foundation at the beginning it all comes crashing down and you're in this cyclical you know, spiral into hell of nothing ever being figured out and you just throwing away money. And then also comes the perception of, well, my internal team can't do it. They're just not good enough. The agency is just not good enough. And it's just because, well, you don't quite know what to do yet and you don't want to pay for that figuring it out time. So that's kind of the secret sauce. It's just a foundational approach to building your lead pipeline.
2: So, for example, I'm going to pick on Brian. Why? Because he's my co-host. He started mm-hmm. the meeting. Come on, yeah, I, I'm course. invested, right? Watch okay. the video, yes. So, when when you look at this overall, so Brian, new business, okay? Well, <clears throat> new focus on his business. It's, right, right. It's been it's been the other side of you know the the income stream, and he's like, I need to build this one. Right. This is the one that's going to free me up to go through. And so one of the issues that we all have is building that pipeline mm. that comes through. And so when I look at that and I say, okay, what's the best channel and what's the, the thing to look at and business to business is, yeah. I know on Facebook, based on the demographic, they, people have money yep. right? and it's different than the people on Instagram, except I'm on Instagram way more than I'm on yeah. Facebook. The fact that Facebook sees me is usually because I'm sharing from Instagram over there. Right, but I'm blocked on both when it comes to advertising. Okay, so when I look at that, I'm like, well, I can't do nothing there. So you know, my biggest markets are the ones that i have been blocked off because of my views. But so where would where would we start? Right in the point because again, I'm looking at everybody that's in the groups, everybody that's there. You know, is what eight thousand people on LinkedIn. That, are te- that got a notification that said, hey, and it's going to come, view count increases after midday on a Wednesday, right? But I throw it out there because typically we can break away right. on hump day to do it. So what's the first step to say, I need to get out there and I need to know, is this person pre-qualified for Kevin? Yeah,
1: no, that's a good question. So B2B, uh, and I talk a lot in the B2B world because B2C is just a different, a different ball game. there's different legalities around, can I just email them directly without opt-ins? B2B is still a little bit of a Wild West in the, the North American market because mm-hmm. it's, hey, I know exactly who our, our ideal customer is. Step one is that, what who is the ideal customer and why? If you don't understand the fundamentals of who you're targeting to, then it becomes harder to model out, well, what should the messaging be? What's our hook? What's our value proposition? So understanding who you're going after the value of today's market with data is you can then easily go source that contact data for who you're targeting. You have to, kind of, especially if you're in the early days, which was the analogy here with Brian, you have to go with an assumptive-based model as well. It's still the 70-30 or the 80-20 rule, whatever you want to say, like car sales or real estate, like 80% of the deals are done by 20% of the the agents or the okay. you know sales team. Still very much the same with outbound. You can't tailor it to everybody specifically. You have to know that this is on my target market. I'm making some assumptions. I know it's not going to be correct 100% of the time, but that's just part of the ad or the sales game. Um, and then it becomes, okay, well, now I can very strategically reach out on email I know is the most scalable. And it, it takes very little lift for me as an individual to send a one-to-one email or send it to a lot of people who match the same persona. So I can customize a message, I can personalize it, and I can send it and get responses that kind of allow me to refine what I'm doing. Based on responses, you understand Is my targeting off is my messaging off is my timing off you can really hone in on that Um, and then you layer in your calling so i always say and one of our strategies is hey let's call people who one have opened emails because now it's not as much of a cold call it's going to be a little bit more of a warmer intro and at a later phase you can call those who never opened emails because maybe they're not email you know converters but you're still going through this very strategic approach and it's, it's actually pretty simple to execute. The problem is harder to scale because it does take time. And that's where agencies or team come in. Um, but if you're doing it at the start, you should be doing it yourself. Like if you are just starting in, early, in those early days, it's more affordable for you to figure out your go-to-market fit what the messaging is going to resonate, it should be led by you, and then bring that into an agency. Otherwise, you're going to be paying us for that discovery phase. Or you're going to be hiring an SDR and essentially telling them to go, but not giving them any
2: direction as to how they should be successful in their role. Right. And you're hoping they had enough experience, but yet they, for some reason, were looking for a job. Yeah. <laughs> there was a reason why. Yes. And then you, you come in with, here's the clouds, right? It's not a clear day at all. And I just want to want you to give us direction to go through and you're going to waste a lot of the exploratory money. Well,
1: and-, and SDRs are hard. Like, It's a hard role to hire. I've hired hundreds of SDRs. I'll tell you now, my job in building the agency in a programmatic approach in 2023 is how do you take out human involvement? Because whenever there's a human involved, it becomes a headache mess. Um, to your point on what you talked about earlier, but you also have a couple other points. One is, the SDR function that's driving pipeline—one of the most like imperative roles of a company—it's what's driving your revenue. You don't want an account executive doing top of funnel because then they should be closing. There's that skill set is very unique to take a, a buyer through a buying cycle. Top of funnel takes—it's just an activity-driven function. But one, you don't want to stay in it very often, like for very long. I think the bridge group, which is in the sales development agency and tech, has it at 10 to 13 months as the average STR. It also takes an average two to three months to ramp, which means you're only going to get seven to 10 months of production. (laughs) Account for all the vacation times and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, You're probably down to five to six months of production but you're paying for 12 for 12. Yeah. You're paying for 12. But then you have a second problem in that email phone and LinkedIn are three very unique channels that take a mm-hmm. very unique skill set. It's very rare that you'll find somebody who's great at all three, but not Thank only great you at all. Th- that out. Thank yeah. You. But, and not only it's great at all three, but can intertwine all three seamlessly in real time. And do research and data, etc. Those people, which by the way they do exist, problem is they're rock stars who are only with you for like four months because they're gonna go get a six-figure sales job that you can't afford for that function. So you're still stuck in this cyclical, you know, spot
2: of what do I do, uh, which constantly is constantly hiring and, and yeah. coaching. Yeah, you and more time training your staff than you do the clients. Yeah,
1: right. And that's only the you know 30 percent who are great at the role the other side of it which is why hiring for an sdr has become harder and harder and why you see a lot of you know, layoffs in that position because it's hard to attribute roi to the role um but the what about the 70 percent or the 60 percent who never get quota and aren't good for the position it's an entry-level job in a lot of companies and <laughs> it takes time to figure out hey maybe this isn't for you but they found it out on your payroll and they didn't drive value back to the org. And there's not a lot of SMBs who can afford that. I think, you know, you're probably in the the LinkedIn sphere and I'm very much plugged into the, you know, sales, billion dollar unicorn, fluffy tech SaaS world. And, you know, you could afford to miss a lot when you're, when you're dealing with investor dollars, when you have, a company that you're paying for your own growth, and you know you're a small, medium-sized business, you can't afford to miss. And sadly, there are a lot of misses when it comes to employees in that position.
2: So I, I'm a big fan of not having employees. So yes. I think you, you and I are talking to the in the same way, or I'm picking up what you're putting down, right? My answer is I don't want an employee. The the trainers that I have that work for me to go fulfill the stuff I have, they're all 1099. And I'm yep. like, I don't, I don't care. All I care is when my stuff gets talked about, it gets delivered the way I taught you and the way it comes out. I don't need the, the, the drama that goes associated with it. And right. I'm in with clients every day of a month dealing with their drama with employees yeah. as well, right? And I'm like, every time I'm in there teaching, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that one superstar that takes everything you say and blows up. Right. And you're like, that's great. Will he be here next month? I don't know. But, you know, what what if a better company makes a different offer? Right. And that person's gone now. And that's what most companies are afraid of when it comes to training or getting people up to speed. Right. I would have hesitation going, Kevin, what successes do you have? What do you have that says, I know I can get this caught up? What's a realistic expectation if somebody were to say, help me? I am one of your ideal clients, right? What time frame do I give you to look at and say is there going to be something that happens? Cuz remember we're all going feed me yesterday cuz I'm hungry. Yeah. And you want me to take food money and put it here. And I understand the investment. I really do. Yeah. I just want to take it down to a level of If you if you boil it down to that level and and
1: we we do this good. So we don't sell appointments anymore. If you want somebody to commit or project appointments, run it's an easy way to get you to sign a piece of paper, and I know statistically you're going to be with me this many months. I'm an agency, so my margins are built in day one, and I'm going to make my money, and there's enough demand where I can sell my churn. So let me send a number that you sound happy with. I'll set you 10 to 15 appointments, because every business in America thinks that they'll, they all should get 10 to 15. It's like the number that's become, everyone thinks 10 to 15 appointments. Um, you have to run. One is you're in two different groups. One, you've never done anything when it comes to outbound, so you don't have any benchmark analytics in that group. It's a real, real, it's a realistic. We have to set up a baseline. We don't know. We are month. You should also offer month-to-month contracts. Never lock in with an agency that's longer than that because we should be fighting for our value every month. If we're underperforming, you should have the ability to fire us like an internal sales rep in that terms though value is defined and this is the tricky part and i've been doing this a long time every company values what you do differently some are if you set me 15 appointments i don't ever want to talk to you except for after you set them 15 appointments for six months and then they come back and say well we didn't close any so i'm canceling so it wasn't about appointments it was about revenue so now the quality of appointment matters. It's not the quantity. It's actually the quality. That's different. That's not what you told me up front. Yeah, but that's what... So the companies don't even know how to evaluate it. So it's having these real conversations in real time is what you is what has made us as successful as we have. I'll tell you, having that month-to-month commitment from a buy-in, meaning I'm vying for renewals, it's, it's, it's more affordable for me to keep you than to sign somebody new. But... You should be thinking about it as at the end of every month, whether you set appointments or not, even if I set zero appointments, did I drive you more value for your organization than what you could have done elsewhere with the same amount of money? If the answer is yes, then you should never churn, even if it's zero appointments, because in your mind, we drove value. Mm -hmm. And right before you kind of add your, your color there. I say this, if you have a quota for your SDR team to set appointments, and the quota is 10 appointments, because most teams, and you been your sales trainer, most teams have a quota for account executives and sales development reps. If my quota is 10 appointments, you're essentially telling me, hey, we want you to do 10. That's what your job is. If you exceed 10, we'll compensate you above and beyond. But at a minimum, we need you to hit 10. Imagine I hit 10 appointments on the 10th of the month or the 15th of the month today. Can I come into your office and say, hey, I'm going to Hawaii for two weeks, I'll be back on March 1st. You would say, yeah. no, get in your seat and make more. And I say, no, you told me 10, my quota 10. I understand that I, I'm leaving money on my table and I'm giving that up, but you told me my quota is 10, I did it. I just worked more hours, more strategically and I did it. My quota should be what's driving value. The answer should be yes. A company should know their numbers so well that you should say, yes, leave, come back. Because if you have that relationship and that expectation, you're probably going to keep that person longer because maybe they don't value money. Maybe they value that freedom and that flexibility. Maybe they want to go work for another company on the side. Who cares? So long as you have all of your metrics in place and you're driving value from them. But that's the problem with sales. It's inherently the thinking is still impression activity based. Do more. I don't care what you've done. You can always exceed it. And it's, well, that's the wrong. Ex- and that's why in sales quotas change every other week. It seems like and account executives and SDRs get mad because it's like, what are, how did this change from one week versus the next?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So that that's Jaime Ramirez, right? That's a very <laughs> good point. No, because it, seriously, Kevin, it, it you just, Drop this bomb in the middle of what we were talking about and it's so true because again all we keep doing is asking sales people for more than what we expect them to right. do and so then we go why'd they burn out why'd they go someplace else right mm-hmm. like, well nothing's ever good enough for you dad yeah right. and so um that's, that's what that's what i look at but right I mean, now the I mean, know your number for value that was fantastic that's, that's the most important thing and it's
1: it's the problem that plagues the sales industry, and no one knows that number. And I'll tell you right now, not one, and I've dealt with a lot of companies, probably 800 at this point. I know the, the intro was right at the 700, uh, but I think we've passed that now. Not one person can simply tell you, hey, an SDR who has 80,000 OTE, but really costs the company probably 150, no one knows. No one knows how what the true cost of an employee is. No one knows. So if you don't know that for your sales rep who's driving your top of funnel, how do you know if they're ever driving you value? So now the problem becomes, well, do more. Because if you're doing more, at least where, like, I get you for eight hours, I'm going to make sure I maximize that eight hours. Just do more. When really you should be thinking about it as, are you driving us the ROI? But What I, one of my pet peeves is the marketing side of business is so well oiled into what they're doing, the value of the functions, and the salary grades for those functions. And you think about marketing, and I saw it a few years ago. If you think like a VP of marketing is making mid six figure, like 150,000, a VP of sales at the same company can be making 400,000. An SDR whose entry level is making eighty thousand, an entry level marketing, you know, person is making forty thousand, and it's like, wait a second, but how how is this so turned around? And I think a lot of it is, well, how do we compete if that person is going to be taken for to a competitor? I have to just offer them, and it's just a broken system right now that's not really
2: focused on what's driving value. Well, I think what's really good too, Kevin, and I'm hoping everybody picks this up as they go through, you have the hard discussion first, yes, right? Because that's what you had said was nobody's asking these questions in the beginning and you don't want to find out that it's just the number of appointments make me like you, right? Yeah. You know, Brian's heard it from me too many times. I say business is about results.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Right? The relationship comes after you deliver the results. So if I get great results from you one month and then none results yeah, yeah. In the next 3 months I don't go oh you know what but you're a nice guy let me keep paying you right it doesn't work that way the answer is what are the results
1: that you well, can have to get? you have to have the hard conversations up front and let the and so in our business we say you're going to churn no matter what Like I I could do amazing. You're going to churn. Let's say month one, we have amazing results. Then you come to us on month two and you say, hey, we did great. We want to target a new market segment that we've never attacked before. And we want to go full force in there. And we say, hey, I don't think we should divert all of the activity to that new segment because we know what we have here and it's working. And you say, no, like we believe in this model. We divert it. It ends up producing nothing, Probably to your point, it's a market segment you've never entered before. And then you come to us and say, well, you should have told us, like you should have been a little stronger by telling us no. And it's like, wait a second, we did exactly what you wanted. We raised the flag and you're still not You could cancel for a million different reasons. And because it's evaluated month to month, are you driving results? In our sales cycle, we are very upfront. Worst case scenario, we book zero appointments. You know what I can't account for on the agency side? If you have a product anybody cares about, that's what you're bringing to the table. And I have to take your word for it. I know outbound, I can design that well, but I can't create demand out of nowhere. I can't trick people into connecting with you and having valuable conversations. So yes, there still is a chance that there isn't a market for what you're trying to do or that we can't figure it out in the slim timetable that you're giving us. But we're month to month. If you're not seeing
2: value, fire us. I love that. No, that's perfect. Brian, any questions?
0: No, I, I really like to, well, I'll call it the three Ds he talked about, which is you got to do your discovery. Then you have to have direction before you start dialing. No, and I like that because a lot of times I just tell you what's the goal. Oh, well, go get me this. But how do you
2: get it? So I really like the three Ds that he talked about earlier. I do too. I, I, I feel like, okay, now I got to go back and reevaluate my ideal customer again. <sighs> and I'm like, ah. Oh, you know, that's the is- thing yeah. Well, the ideal customer
1: wins or loses it. Um, and then if you think about, like, if you're doing it and you're building it internally or you have a team doing it, start thinking programmatic. What Appointments is the, the KPI that just is, of course, it's always going to be there. Forget about the appointments. If you have a good product market fit and you do the bare minimum outbound program, you'll get appointments because you built a great product that solves a problem that people need. Think about outbound more strategically. Hey, what's our baseline conversion rates for an evergreen campaign where we use just our low-hanging propositions? Then what happens when we launch you know, humantic and personality data to it. Let's launch a second campaign in month two and compare that against the baseline. Hey, in month three, let's see if we can optimize the channel and understand from the first two months who's actually opening emails versus connecting on phone versus higher LinkedIn users. On month four, let's try to integrate video all of those who opened emails but never responded, maybe they're visual people and we should do a personalized video. And now from all of those, you can start to see what activity actually drives the highest conversion and how does it adjust based on vertical and persona. Once you have that, now you can say, okay, I know exactly who to do videos to versus calling versus email, and you can have a more you know, targeted type of campaign. Problem is, to your point earlier, most people don't want to spend the amount of time it takes to build a very strategic you know, discovery phase of pipeline before you're driving real results.
0: So I have a question. Do you see people hesitant to give an SDR through your company access to their CRM or are they expecting you to go find the leads for them?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Number one, Leadium doesn't have any SDRs. So we don't have, we don't do full-time or part-time SDRs. What we did is we said, hey, let's have specialized team members. So we have people who call, people who email, and people who LinkedIn. Still SDRs quasi on our side, but we just go out and hire and train just for that skill set. And we sure. say, I don't want you navigating a platform or anything, just here's your call list call today because you're good on the phone. Um, but to answer your point, some clients want to give us access to a CRM, others don't. We Part of our program is we have to provide the net new contact data. So we're traditionally never using data you provide. We're setting out the ICP. We're sourcing the contact data. We're enriching it. We know that all of the variables that we can control, we control. Because if we trust your data, don't hold me liable for the bad quality of data you have. Um, that's going to affect everything. Most companies, if they have Salesforce or HubSpot at a minimum, mm-hmm. might plug us in. We're, we're big Apollo users. I'm a big fanboy of Apollo.io, um, which integrates bidirectionally with HubSpot and Salesforce. But they're pushing it for the activity side so that when an appointment does get booked, You have full record of all calls, of all email activity. You can see the journey that the prospect went on. You can also keep track of prospecting stages. Everybody who's replied not interested, bad timing, wrong decision maker, left company, you still have the prospecting stages that can marry up to your lead stages. So it's really a 50-50 cross shoot of if a company wants to give us access or have us operate completely outside of their ecosystem.
2: Yeah, I, I'm so results driven that I, I I literally and again I know this because I'm a sales trainer and I sit down and I was just talking, one of the guys was outside the office, but we were talking about it and he said, he goes, Well, this person, I go, Well, this person's doing this, this, and this. And I go, and I don't want them doing activities. Yeah. And he's like, he goes, well, and I go, and look at the results. He goes, yeah, results suck. I go, that's why we're having a conversation. And everybody's sitting down going, let's go check the activities. And I'm like, granted, we need to do activities to get results. Right. But, but taking somebody, and what I love what you just said was that the email people are the email people. The phone people are the phone people, right? And the DM yeah. on, on LinkedIn are, are those people right? So your people probably aren't sending stuff over that's in completely incorrect grammar. Oh, no, 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 no. So
1: it goes, again, because it's programmatic, you're building campaigns and messaging specific to vertical, specific to pain point, specific to personality trait. You're then writing out that campaign. Um, It's going through multiple checks and approvals. And again, that's where it becomes assumptive based. You don't need to hyper-personalize, write a custom, you know, what school you went to. Nike's not doing that and you're still clicking through on the on their link and you're still buying their shoes because you're still solving a problem. And inherently on B2B, if you can do something that I have a problem for, it's in my best interest to say, okay, yeah, this is exactly what we're up against. Like I am looking to transition out of QuickBooks. I do have that problem as I go into my next phase of business. Um, this is perfect timing. Yes, let's take a meeting. Uh, so you still are inherently. But to your point earlier, you have to still do the activity. So I'm not against the activity. You still have to have impressions on you know, the ad side. Right. It's what's the quality of those. If you're just throwing up a random ad and spending a lot of money, I think you hear horror stories on the digital marketing side where companies can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars because no one was measuring hey, is it working or not working? And they just wasted a bunch of impressions because they didn't hone in on their targeting. Same thing with sales. You still have to do phone calls. You still have to send emails. You still have to do LinkedIn. But now it's a matter of you might not have to do as many as you think if you have everything dialed in properly.
2: I love it. That's me. My thing is it's not about doing more. It's about converting more. Yes. Right. And I say sales Mm -hmm. is only a numbers game until you become educated. And what I'm hearing is you guys are completely educated on how to get people through that funnel to the point of dropping off somebody you could do something with if the person you handed it off to was competent. Right. So, but no, I like that because I this company was, we have a manager sitting down and checking every single activity for each person in there. And I said, Okay, that's literally something I can get a VA to go do, yeah. and just log in and babysit the the process. That's great. I don't need her to do that. I'd rather she coach, train, and push the team. Took a TO call or an email that somebody's slapping her, slapping the rep, and let somebody go through and do that. Right, the escalation process as opposed to being caught in the weeds. Yeah, it's, if you're measuring activity, you already have a problem,
1: a fundamental problem where you don't trust your team. So you, if you have an internal team, which, and I actually think the value is building internally and having external, that's the best. Mm. If you can afford both yes. of those, there's inherent value to an agency. If I'm just matching what your internal team is doing, why would you ever get rid of me? Guess what I don't do? I don't take vacations. Guess right. what I can do? I can scale up and down based on need. If you have two employees who leave you out of the blue, I can increase what we do overnight. You can't hire, train, and get ramped up overnight internally. So there's a risk mitigation aspect of agencies. By the way, this is why most enterprise-sized businesses use dozens of marketing agencies, even though they have internal marketing teams. There's things that are just better off handed to an external team that drives value. So I see both as a good need, um, having internal, you can train up, etc. But if you ever have a problem with activity and are they doing the activity, That's that's a fundamental problem. What you should be really monitoring is after a week of activity, how did you adjust? And if you're not adjusting as an internal employee, your own script, your approach, then you're not taking what the conversations are showing you And you're not capable of adjusting things in real time based on those inputs. The agency, we're doing it. We're we're analyzing the 15 responses over email. What types of responses? Hey, we're going after the wrong persona because we're seeing this. Your internal team should be doing that too. And that's what sets the good away from just those who are driving activity. That's amazing. All right, Kevin, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, me personally, uh, the best way is email. I'm a, I'm one of the emailers, not the not the cold callers. Believe it Tell or not, me more grandpa. Yeah, I know. What are you talking about? Uh, Kevin at leadium.io um, is is my email. Still, so we just switched to leadium.com. Switched into a new website. Uh, that's the best to find us. We're coming out with some get great collateral around. Hiring versus agency. We don't have it live yet as we just went through a rebrand. Uh, so, leadium.com, easiest way to get a hold of us. Kevin at leadium.io, easiest way to get a hold of me.
2: Fantastic. Brian, any additional questions? Because I, I got the whole redefine my ideal customer, right? Top of funnel is the activity based people, right? Yeah. thats I, I always recap my notes just to make sure you can go, no, Joe, that was way off, right? Um, no so and you, define. Do value. Yeah. Right. What is the actual value that comes in? When I start a client, I do, a, I have a KPI document and say, what is the key performance indicators? I got a hit for you to say it was successful so that i I can slap them back later
1: yeah that's what we do at the start so what we do to my point earlier we say well how many appointments hey joe if my program costs is four thousand full service strategy data execution technology we are full service how many appointments do i need to set if we hold kpis appointments how many do i need to set to make this roi positive you tell me a number holding that appointments is the kpi that's easiest to measure day one you'll say 10 and I'll say, fantastic. I'm not going to set you 11. So let's get that right now. I bet if I get to 70% quota, it's going to be easier for you to keep me than, than to get rid of me. But once I start setting you 10 appointments and you don't, maybe you close the value of the appointment starts to change. So now we say, Oh, you don't want appointments. Actually six appointments are better if they're higher quality and that KPI changes. So we are very upfront with that same aspect of, What is success? That's what we're going to hit. That's what we're ROI positive. And if I don't even need
2: to do phone calls
1: to get there, what do you care? You got what you needed.
2: Right. I love it. Um, I like the uh, check for adjustments weekly. Yes. I I love what you said there. And it should be the team that's doing it to say, what am I tweaking? What am I going through? Because that right there is flat out empowerment for the team. Right, and then um, custom scripting tweaks, right? That we can awesome. go through. One one of my absolute best ever reps for for building, you know, get generating appointments, getting people in, and selling <laughs> stuff. Um, she came to me with my script, and she sat down, and she was ballsy enough to do it. And she was like, "I can't deliver this," and I was like, "What?" She goes, "I've tried it for thirty days straight. I can't do that." This isn't me, whatever. And I said, "All right, let's sit down for the next twenty minutes."
1: Yes, and then
2: then that was the easiest thing. We
1: we talk on email a lot because it's easily measurable. How about look, Joe? You very different personality than me. Why aren't you calling the same people that share your personality? And I'll take it a step further. Um, Why is a twenty-three-year-old calling a fifty-four-year-old? like 40-year experience CIO. Shouldn't I have somebody on the team who's also 50 years old and capable because, hey, now it's like-minded, like personality, speak the same language, sound the same, and you just connect inherently. And Mm -hmm. a lot of teams are not, you're not segmenting your data to say, hey, call who your personality traits are most adopted, use a, a call script that's based on that personality and call like-minded people who share similarities with where you are in life. And you'll see that that drives conversions well more advanced than just picking up a phone and dialing.
2: I agree. I love it. Because when I wrote it, so I always think about it and you just reminded me again, so I wrote it down, which was, um, I I had remember to speak Vicky, mm-hmm. right? So Vicky was the name of that rep. So after we sat down, I wrote my entire script in her voice in uh, my yeah. head. And then I handed it to her. And she was like, Oh, and she blew up. She blew up. Yep. She was easily 3X everybody else on the team. Right. And it was because she believed it. She could say it and what have you. And she's like, How do you do that? And then after I left the company, like two years later, she reached back out to me and goes, Here's the script they gave me for this job I have, can you write it in Vicky? And I was like, oh, I could do that for you because I know you and I can go through and, and get that done. And she's like, great, we're exploding again because she could deliver that. And again, I got to remember that too because that was something I forgot, but- Wow, Kevin. It's confidence.
1: On the phone, it's just co- the phone is a yeah. different game than email. Email you convert on your own time. You click to the website, you're absorbing it on your own time. Phone, it's hey, you got 30 seconds. You got to be confident in what you're talking about and connect very quickly. So understand the psychology of it. And if you're not speaking your own. It's like you're, you're reading a book from 1700s and it, you can't read it that quickly because it's not how you talk versus if you're reading just material that you know. Uh, so you have to be confident and say it in, in, you know, your perspective, which is what, again, teams are missing because a VP of sales writes a script and it's use this no matter what.
2: Right. And he's completely confident in delivering and he wrote it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but it's, uh, it, it's funny because like your LinkedIn people. Brian Brian is the master of the facial analysis and what have Brian. you, so, so he could look at you and say, this is the message I have to give to Kevin for him to understand it. Yep. This is what I have. We did that what, a week ago, two weeks ago. So... Yep. But it was one of those things, but that's what he does. And so wow. anybody you have that's on LinkedIn to go after it, you should have Brian's checklist <laughs> with you to go, how do I get to this? How do I get to this? Look, are their eyes slanting up, down? Is this Brian. here, is this here? Yeah, and so a lot of the people I train here at this this client, when I walk in, they're like, hey, hey, I'm looking at your eyebrows. And I'm, I'm like, please don't do that to the customer. Yeah. right that's the, don't do they're you don't like you know what you're
0: right. doing yeah
2: i'm like no 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 it's it's all covert buddy come on it's called subtle skills right, right? <laughs> not obnoxious skill so perfect brian any other questions we have if anybody has one out there you can i totally ignored most of the comments today because that's who i am right <laughs> i was selfishly sucking up everything i could from kevin to to make sure i didn't miss anything that was there so everybody out on linkedin everybody in facebook Whatever, thanks for spending your time. We've been seeing the user counts pop up and down. YouTube is, for some reason, doesn't show here, but pops up on my phone. So we've got some view count going there. But Brian, anything you have? No, No. I I really liked what we covered today. That It's a very unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm just grateful we got connected, Kevin. (laughs) this This was phenomenal because most people wouldn't know that they needed to know what you shared. Yeah, again, the
1: sales, uh, it's just such a hard industry because it's so activity impressions-based and no one's really stepping the one step back and saying, wait, what are we doing? And a lot of times it's driven by the C-suite saying, results now, revenue now, what are you Mm -hmm. doing now? And you can't really build a foundation because you're always focused on, we should
2: have had it two weeks ago. Right, agreed, that makes sense. And again, I think also too, to your point, like, steve pointed in here that they teach principles not scripts right and i think that would be a self identifier for people to leave as well yeah right when you turn around you're like okay they're like i don't know what to say to people you're like then leave yeah because i taught you the principles but i know that you have a 70 plus percent more successful rep that gets into phone if they have a script. Right, right, and again, they're not going to use it 90 days down the road, but to get them through that 90 days, they need that benchmark. I mean, I still use a script. So we, everyone on our team
1: calls because calling is the easiest way to get a hold of a prospect. I still use a script. I, I, and, and that's ten years of doing this business. I still have to have a guide. By go to, I write it in my voice and how my tones are and words that I'm comfortable mm-hmm. in speaking. But right. you still have to have everything i think sales trainer says hey the script it's not you don't have to follow it verbatim it's more a guide but and, you have to have something to fall back on because you're still calling with a point and you can't get lost or stuck in, in any way
2: right. amen very well said so perfect thank you very much kevin appreciate that kevin at ledium.io di, dot wow that was painful let's try that again you can go to Kevin at leadium.io if you want to. You can also find him on leadium.com. And I'll tell you, go stalk him over on LinkedIn as well. Yes, please, Kevin A. Warner. Doesn't hurt to have more people paying attention to you. So you give <laughs> you, you gave great stuff. So appreciate you on that one. Everybody else that's out there, you know it's that time again. Go out and sell something. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.